Hi, my name is Mattia Murray, and welcome to The Longer Road. You are on The Longer Road if you have multiple intersectional identities that are often marginalized. You've had to work harder to get to the starting line, and you might feel behind. I'm here to provide hope, support, and practical tips, and to let you know that you're not alone. Welcome, welcome. Today, I'm talking about grief and specifically what I've been thinking of as grief magic that I've been doing, things that I've been playing with around big things that have been happening in my life. So you, if you heard the brief episode a few weeks ago, five weeks ago now as I'm recording this, my beloved cat of 15 years died. We were together since I was 19 and he was four weeks old. I calculated that we had just over 2 billion heartbeats together, which just killed me for some reason to think of that just at the same time, all of that time. And also it just always feels too soon. And while I was processing that and obviously grieving deeply, my partner a couple of weeks later was in a cycling accident and we went into the ER thinking maybe it was a concussion They ended up needing to go into emergency surgery and having a full splenectomy. So that was also fucking stressful. (laughs) And then they were in the hospital for uh, five days. And going home that first night while they were in or going into surgery, so I left as they were being rolled away into surgery, came home, finally ate after hours and hours and hours of not eating. And then was just waiting for the call back from the surgeon without my cat. That was emotionally one of the hardest things I've experienced. And I also have a lot of emotional skills. So it's been really wild to be feeling this level of emotions, emotional processing, just the energy moving through my body with all of this. And I mean, for one thing, I'm just glad my partner didn't actually die. I don't think I would be okay if that had happened. But even with just the caretaking and having more things at home that are hard for my body and brain and still grieving very much, my beloved cat, with all of that, I'm doing okay. And by that, I mean, I'm okay with not being okay. When I'm not okay, I'm okay with that, if that makes sense. So yes, I'm grieving. I'm crying every day. Sometimes sometimes the crying is a lot bigger than at other times. Sometimes it's more subtle. And some of the things I've been doing to kind of get myself through this are what I've lumped together into this category of grief magic. And the reason I'm calling it magic is because I'm playing with energy. I'm playing with meaning, semantics. I'm playing with what my experience is in the moment. And I think grief is always related to time travel. You're being flashed back in this very spatial oriented way. You know, you enter a room and it just sends you back in time. Or the other experience I was having related to kind of time travel is really just these, these moments of electric belief that this hasn't happened and that I'm just going to 
turn the corner or go into the basement and he will be there. In this case, my cat. So some of the things I've been doing that have been really meaningful. The first was just a very direct continuing to process. It was a choice to let my body do some processing. So for example, when my cat was in the hospital and when they called us in and said, you know, we don't think he's going to make it on the way there. I still had this hope that we would get there and he would do really, really well. He'd perk up. He'd be excited to see us. He couldn't even lift his head at that point. So we knew, and they were not, they were trying to treat and there were things they couldn't even do because his body just wasn't accepting it. So we knew there wasn't anything else to do, but also because he was in an oxygen kennel and he couldn't really breathe outside of that. We couldn't really do what you would normally do to sort of, you know, they would usually set you up in a room. I think this is my first time doing this. They would usually set you up in a room where you would have time basically before they would do the uh, lethal injection. And we couldn't really do that. We had to just sort of talk to him and pet him in the oxygen kennel. And so I didn't really get that. And I did, I did get to hold him uh, at the very end. But I know that if I'd been given the option, I would have spent a lot more time. So something I did for several days afterwards was I would hold a weighted plushie that I have, which is a few pounds. So it's a, you know, a nice solid weight and it's very soft. And then on top of that, I placed the last blanket that Darcy had laid on that we had at home and just kind of set that on top. So it had this real visceral connection and also some weight. And I just cried and grieved let my body do some of that processing as though I was holding him because I would have done that more in person. If I could have, I would have been there for longer. So that was sort of a pretty direct and literal way to let my body have an experience that I needed to have. And it was incredibly helpful. That felt more cathartic than just crying. And there are a variety of ways to create a situation like that for yourself, again, magically in the body, very body-based, right? Where you can let your body have an experience that it needs to have. So that was one thing that I was doing. Another very simply was just letting myself cry as much as I wanted to, as much as I needed to, grieving very, very actively. So I was kind of processing his objects at home a little bit at a time and letting myself grieve all the way through every time. So I wasn't trying to do it all in one fell swoop and kind of get it out of the way. I was letting myself have this really continuous process. And that felt like grief magic to me because I was just letting my body do what it wanted to do, which was to cry fairly continuously for like two weeks. And when I had that night with my partner in surgery, and me waiting at home and not having Darcy to physically cuddle me, which he usually would be. He would usually be there for me through any big emotional moment. I did that same thing again, where I was letting myself imagine that he was there and holding a weighted stuffy, even though, again, not the same. I knew it's not the same. It's really not. But it was giving some part of me some kind of comfort 
that I needed. I know that what Darcy would have been providing if you were here in person would partly just be that presence, that weight, that calming energy. And so another thing that I was doing starting around then is I've been inviting his energy in, whatever that is. So that could be that specific thing I'm looking for, like a calming energy. It can also just be his presence. And one of the things I was doing with that that was a really interesting experience, I was trying out this sort of playing with time, playing with what my body could handle, and playing with this sort of energy of Darcy and the love that we shared. And I was opening up to the experience of having all of that love at once. So the 15 years, the 2 billion heartbeats, all of the love and connection that we shared, feeling it all at once. And that was incredibly overwhelming. It was interesting that that actually felt as much or even more overwhelming to my physical body as the original grief did. So it's amazing to notice just how much big emotions, big energies, even if they're positive, can actually be equally overwhelming. And I thought that that was really interesting to dive into. So I was just kind of, this is more of a meditation kind of thing where I was just kind of laying there and experiencing this and letting this happen. Just letting all of that love, all of that energy move through my body and be in my body at once. And that was actually such an interesting and powerful experience that I think I'm going to keep using that in various ways. Um, I haven't done it with a human relationship yet, but I think that that could be very interesting as well. And then another practice I've started bringing in right away and was doing, especially in that first week or two is I've talked about automatic writing on the podcast, I believe, which is like free writing, but you're explicitly trying to get into a more meditative state and just kind of, it's more of a channeling vibe. If you look at the brain of someone who's doing automatic writing, it is different uh, than someone who is just free writing. They're explicitly kind of turning off some of the judgmental faculties of the brain. I really enjoy it. So I do this quite a bit. Literally the day that Darcy, I didn't even go back to bed yet. I did some automatic writing and said, you know, I'm open to a message from Darcy, just writing. And personally, I don't necessarily believe that was, you know, literally his spirit channeling something. I think it's my system processing, but again, people approach it in different ways and have different relationship to it. That was incredibly healing and gave me, again, even if it's just from my own unconscious, gave me some messages and words that really helped me through those couple of weeks. So that's another potential practice that I, you know, I didn't make that up. Other people talked about having done that with loved ones that they had lost, including animals. And I found that to be very healing and calming. And then interestingly, in that next phase, when my partner was in the hospital and my sleep really tanked, I was sleeping terribly for a couple weeks after that. I wasn't as drawn to these practices that I know make me feel better. I was more just trying to get through it. Like that's where I started to really max out my emotional skills, my regulation skills, 
was having that and having to do more stuff around the house that is difficult for my disability. So it was really interesting that the really active grieving I was doing was incredibly healing, incredibly soothing. And then as soon as I added another big thing on top of that, it was almost like my body was just like, I don't even have the energy to do the things that feel good. (laughs) Like I don't have the energy to wake up and do automatic writing first thing, or, you know, I was spending a lot more time on my phone, a lot less time sleeping. And there's no judgment here. I'm not getting after myself for this. I think it makes total sense based on what was happening. And it's always interesting for me when I come up against my own limits, my physical and psychological limits, because I used to think of myself as much, much more limited because I was, I was, I had a lot more limits healed a lot of things, pushed a lot of boundaries for myself, tried, experimented. And I've actually, for example, significantly healed some physical things such as asthma, which I still probably technically have, but I don't really have symptoms anymore unless I really push myself. So psychologically, I have had some very similar effects. It's like I can handle and be okay with more and not have a meltdown. And at the same time, that's not necessarily a good thing. I've heard people talk about this in a variety of ways from a variety of different identities. Just because people are telling you you're strong and resilient, that's not a compliment. That just means we've been through a lot of trauma and now we can handle a lot, right? That's not necessarily what I want to be recognized and complimented for. So coming up against my own limits here, recognizing that I'm not going to be able to just get through this and be okay and take care of everything and also feel awesome, right? So I think the last little piece of sort of grief magic, big feelings magic, this is something I think about a lot. I experience feelings as energy in the body moving through and When I resist that, when I try to hold it in place, when I try to make that energy not be there, that doesn't help it flow through. And this is actually something I landed on in my teens when I started having migraines, which is that I noticed, first of all, that personally, I was mostly getting migraines when I was trying to make myself do something I didn't want to do. And then secondly, that I could sort of let the energy of it move through me, but when I tried to resist it or not let it move through my head, that's what would actually turn it into a full-on, longer-lasting migraine. And this is not to say that I could always fend one off or get rid of it. It was more if I noticed this right at the beginning, I could often let it move through instead of settling in for a long time. And I've been essentially applying the same thing to these big emotions in the last, you know, month plus. And I think one of the big ones for me has been right before Darcy died, and even up until just the last couple of days, because he was actually doing really well. We had just gotten him a specialty treatment for his thyroid, and he was actually doing awesome. He was like in the best health he'd been in for a bit, as far as we could tell. I would have said that my life was the best it has ever been. 
at that moment in terms of doing what I want to do, having amazing creative opportunities, having the emotional capacity to do even just the podcast. As I'm sure you can imagine, you know, I put emotional and physical labor into this. I put time into this. And when I'm overwhelmed, I don't have that for, you know, side projects. And uh, yeah, I was in a really amazing place. And so one of the big feelings that's been coming up for me, two kind of related things. One, I think when you're very accustomed to bad things happening, there's this, when is the other shoe going to drop feeling? And I actually wasn't having that when this when these things happened. So there's a little bit of that, like, oh, that was silly of me to not, I don't know what brace against something bad maybe happening, which is kind of, I don't know, it's a weird cyclical thing in my own head. So it's kind of one of the thoughts I've been having, but the feeling around that I think is related to fear. And then the other big feeling is just this, something about unfairness and you know, I finally got things to a really good place and then just boom, boom, two tragedies, two huge stressors. And, you know, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. That's, I don't have an answer to the chaos of life. But as for the practice, the grief magic, as I've been thinking of it, just letting all of that, all of those feelings of unfairness and fear and grief, letting all of that just move through and not just pass through, not just sort of like one and done. Okay. That kind of went through my body, but really letting it move around and do what it needs to do or process out. Everybody does this differently. So I'm kind of trying to describe something that I'm used to not putting words to. I don't usually talk about this in this way, but that's how I experience feelings. So letting these big emotions, these big existential questions, all this stuff, I'm not resisting it. I'm not pushing back against it, but I also want to make sure it keeps moving. I don't want that feeling of unfairness to settle permanently in my body. I've had that before. I've absolutely had long stretches of time where I just resented the extent of my disabilities and how hard it was to function in the world and just how everything felt fucking impossible. And being in a pretty different emotional starting point right now, meaning I was doing really well psychologically leading into this, I can feel some of these things thoughts and patterns and feelings moving through that used to be associated with depression for me. So it's not that my, like habitually my brain is going to some of these places, but I'm not staying there. It doesn't feel permanent. And I think part of that is because I was just having such an overall positive or at least uh, well-rounded experience in my life leading into this, I know that that's possible for me. And I think that's one of the differences between this and other previous time periods where I've had multiple big things happen in a short span of time. 
So I don't have any big, I don't know, answers or even ideas beyond just describing to you some of the things I'm doing. But I love the word magic as just sort of a catch-all for big, interesting experiences that we can't fully explain. And to me, grief is one of those things. I can't quantify it. I keep having the urge to. I keep having the urge to write poetry that lets everyone know exactly how much pain I'm in. I think that's one of the reasons I'm drawn to poetry is that I can express something and have other people have an emotional experience of it without having to, I don't know, write it all out in long form prose. So I'm very much still in it. I'm really feeling it. I'm having a lot of big feelings. And I haven't even really, other than just crying, I haven't really processed what happened with my partner. They literally almost died. It was fucking terrifying. Uh, They really had a lot going on. And uh, the more I learn about the surgery and the things that the doctors were saying around the surgery, the more I realized, oh, wow, they actually had uh, apparently a really solid chance of dying during the surgery. So that's just terrifying. And um, that's kind of my next big thing to process, I guess. So, oh, the other thing I wanted to share around, this isn't so much grief magic, but just kind of what I'm doing, which is I'm very, very grateful that I had the capacity to take time off from working, from the coaching and hypnosis that I do because I'm my own boss. So I just got to decide to take time off and I let myself do some work just to have some things in my schedule, some regularity, and then some clients asked, you know, if we could push out and I've taken it really, really easy with anything that's not absolutely essential. So I've kept up with a couple of big projects that feel really important to me. And I've just kind of let a lot of other things be the absolute minimum they can be. And that's actually a really big step for me because overworking and over hustling has been a go-to for me as a coping mechanism because it feels good to me sometimes. I like working, I like achievement, and I like completing things. So there's an extent to which that's been very supportive and helpful in the past. And this is actually the first time I've given myself enough space to just feel these big emotions without covering them over with work. And I do think it's helping. Uh, I don't know that it would have even been the right choice 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but right now it's giving me an amount of emotional space that I need and I'm using and it feels supportive. So that's another kind of growth area for me. And it's also giving me the space to do these other practices. Oh, I'm also using uh, tarot and oracle cards a lot. I actually use them quite regularly anyway, but I've really been, um, that's been a a very comforting thing to me as well, sort of asking a question or having a thought in mind and even just drawing a single card and meditating with it. So yeah, I went up and meditating more than usual, but in really small quantities as well.
So it's interesting, you know, I said a little bit ago, okay, you know, it's hard for me to do the things that make me actually feel good. And then I proceeded to describe some things that make me feel good. So I will, I'll give myself that and uh, not downplay what I'm doing. So to me, being able to do all of this, being plugged into this, being plugged into my body is the culmination of years of work and therapy and giving myself giving myself the message that it is safe to receive because that's been another thing I've been able to do in the last month is friends have given me they were giving me rides to and from the hospital uh the friend that drove us home from the hospital cleaned our bathroom like deep cleaned made it antibacterial which was incredible that's a hard task for me in a variety of ways and I was just exhausted so and then people have been bringing food so yeah being able to receive emotionally physically in the form of nourishment as food I feel like I'm receiving in a more community sense and part of a community which is beautiful I'm very grateful for and I can only imagine that while things may not get, quote, back to normal in a, they won't feel like they did before. But I also know that I've been okay before. And in some very meaningful ways, I am okay now. I'm just also processing a lot, and that's okay as well. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening. This is obviously a more personal episode, kind of going back to the vibes of the first few episodes. And I really, really appreciate you being here and listening to the podcast. This is a labor of love for me. I love it when you send me messages. And I also just wanted to say if you have any suggestions for guests or topics to please let me know because... I've covered a wide range of topics over the last 10 or 15 episodes, and I'm very open to new voices and bringing other people on, especially. I love having guests. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. If you know someone who would be helped by this podcast, please share it with them. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and suggestions at Mattia at MattiaMarae.com. That's M-A-T-T-I-A at M-A-T-T-I-A-M-A-U-R-E-E dot com. Thank you.